Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Thank you, Alicia. That's my prayer, too. Revival would break out. And the dead people in Christ, maybe even the dead Christians, would wake up and realize that He is alive and He is working all things for our good, for those that know Him. Uh, Good to see you this morning. If you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you to open it up to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. While you're turning there, uh, let me say a couple of thank yous. One, to all of our host homes who hosted our prayer times last Sunday night. Uh, I think we had about 70 plus people in several homes across our community. Uh, Just to pray together, I've heard a lot of great feedback. Matter of fact, a lot of people said, can we do that again? Yeah, and guess what? You don't have to wait for the church to put it on the calendar. You can get together and pray anytime you want with a group, and you probably should. Actually, no, probably to it, you should do that. So what a great time. I also want to say thank you. We have a couple of guests. Uh, Jerry and Kim are with us from Word of Life, and they're going to be pouring into the students. Thank you guys for being here today. Thank you for your ministry and your heart, and we're so grateful. We love having guests come in and pour into us. Uh, On Wednesday, we had a group from uh, Chatsworth, Georgia, from Global Youth Ministries come in, and they met with a half dozen or so area youth leaders and poured into them Wednesday morning uh, until about lunchtime, and then they shared with their student ministry Wednesday night and uh, did a fantastic job, and so we're grateful for the opportunity to have special guests come in and be with us. We're going to pick up our study this morning in John chapter 6 as we continue to uh, talk about following Jesus. Uh, I was thinking this morning when when I started thinking about our topic, following Jesus, reminding me of a friend of mine who had a bumper sticker on his car that said, uh, follow me to First Baptist. And I said, "I'm, I'm kind of you know, I don't know that I would have that kind of bumper sticker depending on where your car is going to go. And he said, yeah, there's sometimes I pulled into barbecue places and people behind me who were following me would get out and go, I don't know if this is a church or not, but I like the smell of what I'm smelling here. So you have to be careful when you tell people to follow you to be going uh, where you say you're going. And sometimes we have a world of people who are following us because we say we're Christ's followers. But really the question is, Uh, When they get to the destination, will they be at Jesus or not? It depends on how we're following. So we're going to pick up the story. If you remember last week, we saw where Jesus fed 5,000 people. Now, biblical scholars say probably more than 5,000, maybe upwards of 10 or 12,000 with the wives and the ladies and the children. And not soon after that, Jesus got... uh, tired and so he sent the disciples across the lake they go across the lake he decides to join them and instead of walking uh instead of getting into a boat he does what only he can do he walks across the water and that story happens just previous to this one after he gets to the other side the people who had been following him because he had fed them 
wake up the next morning and they start looking for this miracle worker and he's not anywhere to be found. And that's where we pick up our story, John chapter 6, verse 22. It says, The next day the multitude stood on the other side of the sea. They saw there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into that boat, but his disciples had gone away alone. There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And when the multitude saw that Jesus was not there... They themselves got into the small boats, and they came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, I'm going to stop several times, as you know I do, along the way, uh, mainly because this is a long passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. But I want us to ask the question, how do we respond to the claims and the miracles of Jesus? How do we respond to hearing and seeing when Jesus tells us He is the Word as He did in chapter 1. He is the Word. He was in the beginning. How do we respond when He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should have everlasting life, should not die, but have everlasting... How do we respond to these things? How did the disciples respond? How did His followers respond when they hear these things? We're going to kind of talk about that this morning and there's a lot of ways that we can respond and the first way that we can respond is by asking questions and that's what they begin to do here they start to ask Jesus some questions they say to him when did you get here in other words why did you leave us and Jesus doesn't really respond too much to their first question that they ask they say when did you get here and Jesus answers A different question. He actually goes to the heart of the matter and he says this in verse 26. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. Don't work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, it's the first time he's used that phrase, by the way, the Son of Man shall give to you, for on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. So he answers the question, but he doesn't answer directly their question. You know what I've thought about in my own life? Sometimes, folks, you don't have to answer all the questions. Boy, you can watch social media. You can watch our world. There's a lot of questions being answered. And everybody wants, oh, I'm going I'm to answer that question. I'm going to answer that. You don't always have to respond when people ask questions. And Jesus doesn't directly answer that question. He could have said to them, well, I walked over the Sea of Galilee last night. I walked on the water. I didn't even get in the boat. I found my disciples and then I miraculously transported myself across the waters to Pura. He could have answered that way, but he chose not to give them that particular answer. He gives them a different answer. He actually pierces to the heart and gets to the heart of the matter and says, why are you seeking me? You are seeking me not because of these signs, but you're seeking me because I filled your belly because you were hungry. And as you know by now, church family, I write down these things when God kind of speaks to me as I'm studying, and I wrote this question down, and I would ask it to you this morning, why are you seeking Jesus? Why are you here? Why am I here today? Why am I seeking after Jesus? Is it just because He can give me what I want? Because what happens when Jesus doesn't give you what you want? 
We're going to find out that answer in this story. Many times, uh, life gives us some illustrations on Wednesday uh, morning, actually Thursday morning at the uh, early, early. I'm not even sure, well, he was awake. I think I had to tap on his shoulder and wake God up. Early Thursday morning, it was early. I went to the airport, flew to Detroit, Michigan to speak to a group of pastors for a luncheon. Went right back to the airport to get on the plane. And as soon as I'm about to return the rental car and head to the airport to go inside, I get this little notification, your flight has been canceled. Oh, me. Don't ask me. Don't ask me, Pastor Jack. How did you respond to that? Please don't ask me. Please don't ask me because I'll have to be truthful. I was not happy. There are many times I'm not happy, and if we're honest, you're not happy when life sends us things we did not expect, we did not want. And sometimes, if we believe in the sovereignty of God, we would say all the time, those are orchestrated by God Almighty, and they come into our lives perhaps unexpected, and we have to go, wow, did God know about this? Well, He did. Uh, Long story short, they were very nice to me. They said, we can get you out Friday and get you back to Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I said, that's not, uh, Friday afternoon, I said, uh, that's, that's not an option. Get me to the closest place. And so thankfully they got me, at least, at least a nearby state in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, then my dear friend, I, I texted, this, this, you, you will find out quickly who your true friends are because I began to text people saying, I'm stranded in Charlotte. I went online to every rental car agency to see if I could get a rental car, and all of them were like sold out, sold out, budget, Avis, National, Dollar, Thrifty, Poor Man's Rental. I'm not sure I should have tried that one, but they all were sold out. And uh, I started to text friends, can somebody come get me? And there was all kind of responses about, well, I'm you know, busy, I have to dry my hair, and I have to do this or that. And uh, thankfully, my friend Corey said, I will come to your rescue, and he did. Life sends us things we don't expect. And Jesus asked these guys who had been following him, this crowd who had had their souls nourished and their bellies full, you are seeking me maybe because I can fill you up with what you want with this food. Why, though, are you really seeking me? Which is a great question. They, they ask questions. It's not wrong, by the way, to question. I was sitting with a group of guys at a prayer breakfast Friday, and somebody said, is it okay to question God? I thought the scripture said, don't question God. My friends, I question God all the time. Show me the scripture that says, don't question God. I question God all the time. It's all right. God is big enough to handle my questions. God is big enough for me to say, why in the world are you allowing this? God is big enough for me to actually get angry and go out and ask him questions and fuss, and dare I say it, edit this out of the recording, cuss God out. Don't look shocked. Some of you have done it. Or if you haven't, maybe that's what you need to do. Because you're frustrated and you're stressed and inside yourself, you want to tell God what you think of Him because you're angry, but you don't think He can handle it. God's big. He can handle it. I remember many years ago, before we moved to Greenville, when we thought we were moving to Nashville, Tennessee, and my car made it up and down the interstate every week for over a year, and our house wouldn't sell, and I was like, God, what is going on? And I remember driving out on a deserted road out in the country in the great metropolis of Roebuck, South Carolina, and getting out of my car and ta- taking off across a cornfield. And I let God have it up one way and the other. I was calling him every name in the book. 
say, wow, you're the preacher and you did that? Yes. God was big enough to handle it. I remember getting back into the car. I'm not even sure Lynette knows this. I remember getting back in the car, driving back home after that, and, and almost hearing audibly, it wasn't audibly, but almost hearing God say, well, finally, finally you got that out of your system. Finally, you're being honest with me. Finally. Now maybe we can have a conversation because you're willing to be honest with me. Maybe that's what Jesus was trying to get the people who were following him to do is say, won't you be honest with yourself? You're only following me because I'm giving you what you want. As soon as I stop giving you what you want, what's going to happen? It's okay to ask God questions. They, they keep asking questions. As a matter of fact, if you keep reading, they ask another question when Jesus explains about this, the fact that he's the son of man and and he has been sealed by the Father, they, they ask another question, verse 28. They say, therefore, to him, well, what shall we do? What shall we do that we may work the works of God? What shall we do? And Jesus answers, verse 29, he says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. In other words, they start to say, okay, just tell me then what we have to do to keep this happening. To keep this formula happening so we're happy and our bellies are filled, could you just tell us what we have to do? What's the magic formula that we have to do? That's kind of the sense behind their question. Tell us what we have to do so we can get what we want. We want this miracle bread from the miracle king, maybe with some miracle whip on there too. We want all of that. Just give that to us. And if you'll tell us how we can do that formula, we'll do whatever that is that you require. And Jesus answers them. He answers that question. He says, you have to believe. And we know from what John said in the very first chapter that this book is written to us. And he tells us in the last chapter that we may believe, those who read this, may believe in the Son of God and that He is the Messiah. Is why John wrote this book. To be an eyewitness and to give testimony that Jesus is God. It's almost, if I can put it in our modern day terms, it's almost as if they're asking the question... Lord, tell us what we have to do, and then you keep doing what you do for us, because the most important question here, Lord, is not what we have to do, but what can you do for me? We think sometimes in 2022 that this consumer Christianity that we see in North America is brand new. It's not brand new. It's been around for a long time, where people followed Jesus, and they went to Jesus so that they could get what they wanted. So again, I ask myself the question, why am I here this morning? Why are you here? Why am I following God? There's nothing wrong with doing things to attract people, especially lost people, to come to church. There's nothing wrong with that. But for those of us, dear friends, who know Jesus, if we are more concerned with the attractions than we are the Creator, there is a problem. We have had people leave this church in the last few years over the attractions. And you know what that tells me? You weren't following Jesus, you were following the attractions. It's easy to do, it's easy to get caught up in that. If you want to know the real spiritual maturity of a person, by the way, look at the questions that they are asking. And you'll be able to determine how spiritually mature they really are. Because if the question is, will you feed me? Will you feed me? Will you help me? Will you give me what I want? That sounds like a certain physical age. 
response. And maybe that equate to a certain spiritual age response. So Jesus is trying to get these guys to wake up, and it's interesting. They keep asking questions, which again is okay. They say to him, verse 30, after he says, The work that you need to do is to believe in him who has been sent. And they said in verse 30, Well, then, what then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe? What work will you perform? What? Hello, did you guys just not see me feed 5,000 people? Did you not just hear me tell you how I got over here? You kind of wonder, yeah, I, I'm doing all these signs and you're asking for another sign? I've been guilty of that. There's things where God says to do certain things. God reveals for us to do certain things. And just because we're not really sure, we, uh, we say, God, could you give me a sign? Could you just confirm, reconfirm? If you'll triple confirm, then I'll know this is what I'm supposed to do. And there's some things we don't need confirmation on. There's some things God's Word's pretty clear about. We don't need an additional sign from God on something that He's already told us to do. Some of us are waiting on the approval of somebody else to do what God's already told us to do. Stop it. Do what God's told you to do. It happens in church life. It happens in times of the invitation. At the end of the service, God will be maybe impressing on your heart to do something, to act certain. Well, I'm not, I'm not worried about this person, that person. Do what God's already told you to do. You may be the catalyst, actually, for somebody else to respond and do what God's told them to do. If you just do what God's already told you to do. And Jesus gets thrown yet another question. What's this, what's this sign you're going to do? The crowd heard that Jesus had gone over to Capernaum, so now they, they followed him. And the Bible tells us in other gospel accounts, in the book of Matthew and the book of John, their account of this story, that they hear all this excited talk, and the people who actually go gravitating and running to hear this story is not only the people who were fed, but the religious people start to go find out, who is this guy? What is happening? And they show up. And here's their response. Can you show us a sign? Then it's interesting, verse 31, they say this. Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Flip over backwards to John chapter 4. Flip back to John chapter 4. You want to see an interesting response? John chapter 4. Remember Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. Started to get really serious. Started to get in, intense. Started to really pick at the heart of the matter. And what does the woman say? Verse 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Deflection. Same response they have right now when Jesus is asking this question. Well, well, Jesus, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And they quote this scripture. It's in Psalms chapter 105. If you want to look, look it up, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They didn't even know how to really quote the full scripture because Jesus, the questioners, these religious people perhaps who have now shown up at the scene of this discussion, were hoping to manipulate him into providing this daily bread for them so that they would not have to do anything themselves. Referring back to what happened in the Old Testament when Moses led the captives free. 
They're trying, well, now they did it. They did it this way back then, Jesus. So if you could just keep, if you could just keep this feeding of the five thousand, that was really cool. I didn't have to. I didn't have to stand in the grocery line. I didn't have to go pick stuff up. That, that was. If you could just keep doing that, that'd be fantastic. That'd be great. They're trying to manipulate, really, and bargain and make these deals with God in that in that question. When Jesus answers the question. This way, in verse 32, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread out of heaven. It's my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is in that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. And then they have another question or another request. They say, well, give us more of that bread. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you, you have seen me, and yet you still don't believe. All the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that all of that he's given me, I'll lose nothing. But I'll raise it up on the last day, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up. On the last day. He's changing the equation a little bit. They wanted it to happen. Well, here's how our fathers did it. Jesus said, not going to happen like that anymore. It's a new day. I'm on the scene. I wrote down in my notes this question that I asked the Lord this week. Lord, why can't we do it like we used to do it? Why can't you do it like you used to do it? And what God is saying to the disciples in Crossroads Church, I believe God is saying to us today, and I know He's saying to me today, is, Jack, you cannot do things tomorrow the way you did them yesterday. You cannot have the same priorities tomorrow that you had yesterday or last year. You cannot have those same priorities this coming year. The world is changing. The world is going to south in a handbasket, in case you haven't noticed. Your priorities must change. The ultimate priority of the gospel will never change, but some things may have to change to make sure that priority stays the number one priority. Things may not always be the same. What did they respond? What was their response when they heard this? Well, they were not happy about it. Not at all. Say, so how do you know? Because they used a Greek word in verse 41. It's the Greek word called grumbling. What does it mean? Grumbling. They started to grumble. Verse 41, the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down out of heaven. What do you mean you're the bread that came out of heaven? Moses said he brought the bread out of heaven. It came from the Father. You're saying you brought the bread down from heaven? If you're saying you brought the bread down from heaven, then you're equating yourself with the Father. Because, I mean, blowing their minds still. They start to grumble. Here's what I noticed. The second response we can have. We can ask questions. Or my dear brothers and sisters, when God calls us to do something and we have to answer to who He is and His claims, we can choose to turn away. Hear me this morning. One of the signs that you're turning away, according to Scripture, and not just in this story, but many stories, especially in the New Testament letters of Paul and Peter. One of the signs that you're starting to turn away is you start grumbling. They start grumbling. 
they start complaining. You, you can turn away without turning away. You, you say, well, I haven't left the church. You don't have to leave the church to turn away. You don't have to leave Jesus to turn away. And yet you say, how can I, how can I understand that? I, I can explain it because we as men do that all the time when there's a ball game on television. And our wife is calling out our name. And we're still married and she's still our wife. But right now, I ain't hearing a thing you are saying right now. Now, if you'll just let me hit the pause button. Okay, what you want? Then we can have a conversation. And mentally, and audibly, and psychologically, and maybe even physically, in every other way, I have turned away for the moment because I am watching something else that I think is more important. We do that in life. We also do that spiritually. We don't have to forsake Christ completely to turn away. But the first step in turning away is starting to grumble. They murmured. They grumbled. And it says they started to say, verse 42, wait a minute. Is, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Wait a minute, his father and mother, we, we know them. We, we know them. How, he's now saying he came down out of heaven. Who is this guy saying he came down out of heaven? We saw him. We heard about him being born. This was a little boy, snotty-nosed boy that was running through the village. Who is he saying he's the bread of heaven? What? You know, one of the real difficulties that they had, maybe we have too in 2022. One of the real difficulties they had believing Jesus was who he says he was is because he had quietly grown up in their midst. And they had gotten used to him and they had gotten comfortable with him. And to think all of a sudden this little boy that we know who was a teenager... Now has grown up to be a man and he's saying he's the bread of heaven... And I wrote this down in my notes. Sometimes I turn away in my murmuring and my discontent. Sometimes I turn away because God does something in a way I don't expect. God does something maybe even in a way I would not have chosen. If you really want to know how pure your heart is, you can you can ask yourself some difficult questions like a pastor friend asked me this past week. Jack, you say you'd love to see revival happen at Crossroads. You'd love to see revival happen in Greer, in Five Forks, in Simpsonville. Insert your community. You'd love to see that happen. What if God used the church five miles down the street to bring revival to your community? What would you think? Oh! Do I really want revival or do I want... Revival just for crossroads. Do I really want revival or do I want it to be known that revival started among crossroads? So the questions start to get real. When God starts to do things in ways that we don't expect, we can turn away in a lot of different attitudes. They continue, as a matter of fact, Jesus, Jesus knows what's, what they're thinking. By the way, He knows what you're thinking, what I'm thinking, whether we say it or not. Be careful. Jesus says to them, verse 43, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It's written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who's heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Can you imagine them hearing this? Wait a minute. He's lost it. 
I mean, he has mentally lost it. We need to check him in somewhere because he, he is talking craziness. This is the guy we grew up with. He's saying all this. He's crazy. He goes on. Jesus says, not that any man has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He's seen the Father. He just said he was from God. So God has seen, Jesus has seen the Father. That's what he's saying to them. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 47, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate this manna in the wilderness. They died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, is that one may eat of it and not die. I am that living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. What happens to that after they hear that word of wisdom? Do they calm down and go, okay, we get it now? Nope. (laughs) No, they start to get even more argumentative. They say, the Jews therefore, verse 52, they begin to argue with each other. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the, the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall have no life in yourselves. And I can understand why they're starting to freak out a little bit at this point. Because they're going, okay, wait a minute. Now he's talking about cannibalism. I'm not signing up for that. There are still some groups, by the way, you, you, you probably know this church family, there are still some groups of people that believe that when they take part in communion, the Lord's Supper, that all of a sudden the elements that they use turn into the body of Christ. We don't, we don't subscribe to that. When we have communion, when we have the cracker and the juice, we believe that's symbolic of what Jesus demonstrated by saying, at that last supper, this is my body broken for you, this is my blood shed for you. These people have no idea what Jesus is talking about. I mean, mine, mine is blown. They, they, whether they went there on purpose to try to even stir the pot a little bit, or whether they genuinely thought he's talking about cannibalism, we don't know their hearts. But nonetheless, they're freaking out. And Jesus says to them, verse 57, As the living Father sent me, whoa, that's a powerful statement, and I live because of the one, because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also shall live because of me. This is the bread that came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, for he who eats this bread shall live forever. Now by this time, if you read verse 59, the the crowd has migrated and he is teaching these things in the synagogue. I mean, this conversation, the end of this conversation is happening among the synagogue. Talk about really stirring the pot. Jesus is freaking these people out. I love that about Jesus. If, if your peers and people in our world think that Jesus was just this weak man or, 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 forgive me, a pansy who just rolled around and did whatever people wanted, they have not picked up the Word of God. That's not the Jesus that we serve. And even Jesus, though he was 100% God and 100% man, had, had, in my view, a little fun with these guys as they're asking the questions, thinking, I'm just going to slowly say these things and reveal who I am and see if they pick up on any of this. And they don't. They begin to get even more upset and actually so upset to the fact that if you continue reading, some sad things happen. Verse 60. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, Statement. They said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to this? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled. Wait, stop, pause, hit the pause button. Not just the religious people, not just the Jewish leaders were grumbling. The disciples were grumbling. 
These are the same guys, if you remember, just a little while ago, carried home, we think probably, or at least they carried in the crowd of the 10,000 or however many people, the baskets of extra food that came as a result of Jesus' miracle feeding all these people. They were the ones that walked around with the baskets, and now they are the same ones who are grumbling. Not even in my notes this morning. Thank you, Lord. But it's amazing to me how sometimes we, notice we, and I mean me. God can do miraculous things in our midst. And something happens unforeseen, unexpected, that we didn't plan was going to happen, that Jesus allows to happen in our lives, and all of a sudden we start grumbling. How easy we forget who we serve, the king of the world. And they start quarreling among themselves. Even the disciples start grumbling. And they ask a question. Or Jesus asks this question. Is this causing you to stumble? The, the real translation there, if you go back and study, Jesus is asking them, put in our modern term, oh, I'm sorry. Did this offend you? Did what I say offend you? Boy, how can we be more appropriate to 2022 than asking that question? Because we live in a world where everybody is offended by every single thing. Even in the church. And if that offend, offended the disciples, there's getting ready to come a deluge, a truckload of offensive statements that's getting ready to come down the pike from King Jesus, love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. You want to be first, be last. Talk about offensive. Better fasten your seatbelt because he's getting, ready to, he's getting ready to unleash a lot of offensive statements. Forgive those who, who hurt you. What's he saying? I, I don't know. Maybe he's saying better to be offended now than to be offended on that last day when you don't understand who I am. And so they... They turned away. Jesus says, what, what's, what then if you should behold the Son of Man ascending where He was before? Verse 62, verse 63, it's a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Let me read that again. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But some, there are some among you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who it would be that would not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying to this, For this reason I have said to you, no one can come to me unless it's been granted to him from the Father. Let me just stop right there a minute. I just wrote a note in there. This is why, this is why church family, in the last several weeks, if you sense that I've prolonged the invitation, the reason for that is this. When God starts speaking to your heart and starts drawing you to His presence, it's not a matter of you or I deciding at the invitation, oh, I'm going to go decide to get right with God. I'm going to decide to respond. According to the Scripture, according to the Word of God, the Spirit is the one who speaks to you and draws you to Himself. And we have no guarantee that just because Jesus and His Holy Spirit speaks to you today and draws you to Him, that you can say, well, I'll just deal with that next week, because next week He may not do that. He's not under any obligation to do that. 
And Jesus tries to explain this kind of an idea to these people because he says it's been granted from the Father. He is the one who lets people come to me. He is the one who draws people to me. And here's what happened as a result of hearing that, which blows my mind. As a result of that, verse 66, many disciples withdrew and did not want to walk with him anymore. Wow. Amazing. Say, Pastor, why did they turn away? I don't know. I have my theories based on, the, based on the content of that passage. There's some things we can pick up. Maybe they decided I'm turning away and I'm done because it's no longer business as usual. He's changing things up. I'm out of here. So this is my place to get off the boat. Church family, you know my heart by now, I hope, and you know I'm always honest. There's some people who have gotten out of the boat of crossroads because we're not business as usual anymore. While that grieves me, while there's nights when nobody knows where I'm uh, crying about it, I will also say this to you, that will not thwart the plan of Almighty God. He's in charge. It's His church. If it's His church, it's not going to thwart His plan. The question that I ask, though, when that happens is, were those people following Jesus or were they following the attraction? Because we are as crossroads, we are the bride of Christ. And though my wife and I disagree about different things, I'm not going to walk away from her because of the things that we disagree about, because she is my bride. And yet we have people in today's church, not just Crossroads, but today's North American church, who if there's not the right kind of song, the right kind of chair, the right kind of room, the right kind of coffee, or lack of coffee in the worship auditorium, they will pack up their bags and leave. You know what that tells me? You didn't love the bride, you just loved yourself. Forgive me, I'm trying to tell you the truth this morning. If you believe it, say amen. I believe... Our most exciting days are ahead of us. I also believe our most difficult days are ahead of us. Why? Because the devil does not like a church that's on fire. He's going to do everything to put the fire out. How can these people who just saw a guy feed 5,000 people, turn water into wine, do all the things that have happened in John 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, hear all of that, and see all that and go, nah, I got a better plan. Peace. What? Now, before I get too righteous, I'll be vulnerable with you. There's weeks that go by that I think the same thing. Now, thank God for the church. That's why the church is important. Because you guys, whether you realize it or not, it's my brothers and sisters I see Jesus in you, and I see God working in you, and that goes, no way, Jose, you better stay the course. There's a plan here. That's why the church is important. That's why prayer is important. And I come to my realization like the, pig, like the, like the uh, prodigal son in the pig pen, I come to my mind, my mind comes alive, and I go, what am I doing here? And I come to my mind and realize there is no way I am walking away from anything where God is working, and God is at work right here. And yet these disciples walked away. 
I got to finish up. What, what should our response be? Well, there's another response we, could, we can have. And Jesus turns his attention to the 12 guys who are standing beside him and asks him a powerful question. You don't want to leave me also, do you? You're not going to walk away also, are you? I mean, you've seen all this stuff. Crowds have left. The religious people, they left. You going to leave me here by myself too? And thank God for Peter, because he often stuck his foot or even both feet sometimes in his mouth, but he answers. And he says to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? You have the words of life. You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where am I going to go? There's nowhere else to go. Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. How can I walk away from you? Please, some of us in this church are starting to realize that it's really only the eternal things of life that really matter. And if, if we are going to stand for Jesus, we're going to have to do just like Peter said. We're going to have to stand up, stand out, stand with Jesus as Lord and say, Lord, where else would I go? There are no other options. There is no plan B except for Jesus. You are the only plan A. So here's my question to us this morning, to me this morning. Jesus is the true bread of heaven. It's interesting that he uses that description when they've just seen him break bread in front of them and hand out all these morsels of bread and fish. It's interesting that he told the woman at the well, I'm the living water. Tells these folks, I am the bread of life. I'm the living water. I'm the bread of life. He is the food for our soul. He, he is life. Because he's God. This morning, I just want to ask you a question, church family. What is your response to Jesus today? You can ask questions. That's okay. Jesus can handle the questions. You can turn away in a multitude of different ways. Or you can stand in his presence and say, Lord, I stand with you, where else would I go? As you think about it this morning, I, I want to I give you time as we do every week to visibly, tangibly respond to what the Lord's speaking to you. It's, we're going to do something a little different this morning. I don't, I don't know if this moment had been put to music what it would look like, but I want you to listen and ask the Lord to speak to you during this song. You may need to get out of your seat and respond. You may need just to stand right there in the row where you are and just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm standing with you. Where, where else would I go? Where else would I go? Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would have your way during this invitation. Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Help us to be honest with you. Where else would we go, Jesus? In your name we pray. Amen.
your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, if you're ready to tell Jesus, I stand with you, Lord, where else would I go? I'm going to ask Lynn if she would just to play quietly this morning. Maybe right there in your seat, that needs to be the, the attitude or the cry of your heart. 
I want to give you a moment just to do business with the Lord. I'm going to ask my friend Heath to come stand with me if you need to pray with someone or want someone to pray with you. We'll be here. Maybe again, it's simply just standing right there where you are and just saying, Lord, where else would I go? You hold the words of life. Church family, this is your time. This is time of invitation where I'm inviting you to do business with the Lord. So I'll just give you a few minutes to do that. If you need to slip out of your seat, just kind of tap on the shoulder beside you and say, hey, I need to slip out. This is your time. Anybody needs to respond. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next